0: Welcome back to On Call, a podcast from Amerisaurus-Bergen, where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, the seventh of our GPO Legislative Update Series, Joel White, President and CEO, Horizon Government Affairs, discusses Congress and the fiscal backdrop. Thanks so much for having me again, and today wanted to give you an update on where Congress and the Biden administration stand on advancing healthcare policy. There's been quite a bit of activity lately in Washington, D.C., and there's more to come. So let's dig right in. Um, But by way of background, I just wanted to reintroduce myself. Uh, My name is Joel White. I'm the CEO of Horizon Government Affairs. HGA was a, a firm I founded in 2007. Uh, we've enacted 50 laws over the last 13 years uh, working for our clients and engage on a regular basis on with the Biden administration on regulatory issues, including the Medicare physician fee schedule, which we'll be talking about today. I'm the former staff director of the Ways and Means Health subcommittee, where I wrote nine laws, including the Part D program, Part B drug reimbursement, health savings accounts, and a couple, of, uh, several changes to the uh, payments in the Medicare program for doctors, hospitals, post-acute care, and at that time in the the hearing, the uh, Ways and Means Committee, I produced more than a hundred hearings on different topics, uh, but did quite a bit of work on the Medicare uh, payment system for physicians, and that's what we're going to be spending a vast majority of our time on today. So let's get right into it. Um, first, I wanted to though, set the stage and talk a little bit about the makeup of Congress and how likely it is that the various pieces of legislation will pass. And uh, in that context, uh, the fiscal backdrop is very important because it's driving a lot of decision making inside Congress and with the Biden administration in terms of what types of healthcare policy items get adopted, and we'll get into that issue. And then we'll talk about the Medicare physician fee schedule proposed rule, which has been released and is open for comment and will be finalized by November. And then an issue that's going to hit on September 1st uh, in, for real, um, but will be released on Tuesday of this week will be the Medicare uh, drug price negotiation program's list of initial drugs that will be subject to negotiations. And lastly, I'll touch a little bit on PBM reform and the elections. So let's dig right in. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Congress. Uh, obviously, we're in the, the first year of the new Congress uh, coming up on an election next year. where a third of the Senate and all of the House will be up for reelection, but it's a presidential election year. And so that's changing the equation here in Washington quite a bit. In the Senate, uh, obviously a very tight control by the Democrats with Chuck Schumer as the majority leader. His key goals are protecting incumbents advance judicial and other nominations, and cut deals that can ultimately pass the Republican-controlled House. For McConnell on the other side of the aisle, the Republican leader, his goal is to defeat incumbents uh, in the election and then uh, recruit quality candidates for 2024 and also cut deals that pass the House. And we saw evidence of that with the uh, recently enacted uh, bipartisan uh, deal to address the, the, the national debt limit. And so the Senate makeup right now is is difficult because you typically need 60 votes to pass anything, and the margin right now is 51 to 49. And so to get anything done in the Senate, you really need to create coalitions to get to 60 votes. In the House, uh, much more partisan, just a margin of 10 votes. And the rules that were enacted at the beginning of this Congress really make it hard to spend money, and it really makes it also hard to raise taxes. And so there's a new process rule in in place called cut-go. And that means that any spending increase, for example, if they wanted to do away with a 2% sequester on physicians, would have to be paid for by cutting items in the Medicare program. So that makes things a lot more difficult to pass. It also means that everything's got to be paid for, largely as a result of what's happening on the fiscal side of the ledger. Let's talk about that real quick. Um, Before we get uh, into that, though, let's talk about the agenda. And so in September, what we're seeing coming up is a a very busy uh, season. It's the end of the fiscal year, and that means uh, Congress needs to enact legislation to ensure the government stays open. And that will probably come in the form of an appropriations bill called a continuing resolution and the appropriation bills that fund the government will have to be enacted before the end of of December, otherwise a 1% across-the-board cut will take place in all discretionary spending. Um, But Congress has teed up a number of items for September to address, including PBM reform and uh, transparency and competition, and that bill includes site-neutral payment reform. So six committees have passed PBM reform five of the six on on a bipartisan basis. Some of these bills are coming through committee and on votes that are uh, I haven't seen in a long time. 49 to nothing, 39 to nothing. Um, And really it's intended to rein in uh, how PBMs operate in the marketplace through things like transparency to consumers and to plan sponsors about PBM operations, how much rebates are going through the system, what channel are the Uh, drugs being dispensed, how much of a discount is being provided, uh, things like that. And the goal really is to allow plan sponsors to better shop for PBM services. Um, In addition, there's several other money issues related to the PBM reform legislation, including uh, some of the bills have bans on spread pricing. Uh, Some of them require rebate pass-through. That is, the PBM negotiates a rebate with a manufacturer. They're required to pass that through to the plan sponsor or to the consumer. Um, And these bills apply uh, broadly to the commercial market. And some of the bills in particular, the the Finance Committee and Ways and Means bills apply to the Medicare and Medicaid programs. And so the scope of these bills is very broad. Where it all ends up is kind of anyone's guess at this point, but we're expecting the legislation to pass the House in September get brought to the floor at some point in the fall by the Senate and then negotiated between the two chambers and possibly be enacted into law this year. And that will reshape the PBM market and hopefully uh, rein in some of the abuses that we see on the PBM side of the ledger. Um, But I wanted to stress included in that legislation is also site neutral payment reform, and that is intended to not only save money by paying the same rate for the same service, regardless of the site of care. Um, but also intended to uh, address some of the competition issues that we see in the marketplace, where hospitals have really uh, bought up a lot of physician practices and there's a lot of incentives to uh, go big because you get discounts on your drugs, for example, and you get paid more in the Medicare program. And so site-neutral payment, paying the same rate for the same service, regardless of the setting, is really intended to address not just the cost side, but also some of the competitive forces that are in play that are driving some of the consolidation. Uh, A couple other bills that'll uh, be addressed, public health reform and uh, opioid funding, those are existing laws that are expiring and have to be reauthorized. Coming out of COVID, uh, we saw a lot of disruption, obviously, and a lot of changes, and those, those bills are really intended to address some of the known problems that have emerged and better prepare the country for Uh, future pandemics and the current opioid pandemic that's plaguing us. I mentioned government funding and keeping the lights on, and that will play out for the rest of the year. But really, Congress with these tight margins has to get a lot done. And so you see there between October and December, Defense, the Federal Aviation Administration, Farm Bill, there's some expiring Medicare and Medicaid provisions that need to be reauthorized. So there's a lot on the plate this fall. And cutting deals within coalitions, within the House and Senate, is really going to be take a lot of skill and finesse. And um, you say, will Congress be able to do that? Uh, I think the jury's out. We'll, remain to, we'll have to see. But they certainly have a lot on their plate between now and the end of the year. Um, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that there's a lot of regulatory activity. And by September 1st, with the Inflation Reduction Act law, Uh, Medicare will now start negotiating drugs, and some people say setting prices for drugs. The first list of drugs that will be subject to those negotiations is expected to be released this week. It'll be 10 of the top spend drugs, and we have a pretty good idea of what those drugs are, and I'll show that list in a little bit. But this will change things up in a big way, and you'll hear a lot from the Biden administration talking about how we need to do even more. We need to double the size of the drugs on the list and ultimately in 2028 part b drugs will start getting added to that list and that will significantly impact reimbursement for physicians through the asp system and but that process is all starting and to be rolled out in 2024 the price changes take effect in 2026 in part d and then in 2028 for part b and then heading into 2024 we've got the temporary conversion factor increase will be reduced from the current year to 2.5% mitigation effort to 1.25%. And that is driving some reimbursement changes, which we're going to spend the majority time of this webinar focusing on. So I did want to also uh, get into the fiscal backdrop because um, if the regulations end up cutting physician payment in the Medicare program. We've traditionally gone to Congress and asked for relief, and that is going to be increasingly different, difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, the first is we have fairly significant deficits, and if current laws remain unchanged, spending will continue to grow faster than revenues, and those deficits will increase significantly. That's compounding our national debt, and we just went through a discussion on raising the debt limit, And I can tell you there are many members on both sides of the aisle who are very concerned about where we stand with the national debt. Right now, we are um, at 100% of GDP, so it's our entire national economy. Over the next decade, deficits are expected to double and interest payments will triple. And so by 2028, we're going to spend more on interest payments than we will on all of national defense. And you can see the kind of picture here where outlays are outstripping those revenues. And really, if you look at that second graph on the left, the reason is is twofold. The first is major healthcare programs are really driving the vast majority of the deficit spending and net interest on the debt is as a result becoming uh, a significant factor um, to the point where we're spending a heck of a lot more uh, on the national debt than on on the interest payments than we are on actual programs, and so members of Congress want to get their arms around this. Um, but as I mentioned, you know deficits uh, will continue to rise, and much of the the growth is on the healthcare side. A lot of that growth in healthcare is a result of an aging population. We are hitting the wave of baby boomers coming through Medicare, and that's significantly increasing what we're spending in the Medicare side of things. But growth is also being attributed to uh, excess cost growth, and that is uh, spending that growth is spending on healthcare that is increasing faster per person than the rate of GDP or the economy. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's consolidation in the marketplace, it's prices, it's utilization, it's new technology, intensity of services things like that. And and basically what the experts say is that until we get our arms around healthcare cost growth, uh, we won't be able to get our arms around the deficit and therefore we won't be able to get our arms around the debt and therefore we'll continue to be in a very bad situation. So this fiscal backdrop is driving a conversation right now. You can see here two leaders on the House side, the House Budget Committee Chairman Jody Arrington and a senior member of the Energy and Commerce Committee, Dr. Michael Burgess from Texas, they're both from Texas, and um, they've just launched an initiative to really get their arms around what's happening with healthcare spending and how can we start to rein that in. Um, so nearly one third of what we're going to spend in the federal government this year will be on healthcare. Um, a lot of that in Medicare and Medicaid, and that spending is projected to rise 78 percent over the next decade and is gonna exceed all other categories of federal spending. So everything on defense, foreign affairs, education, uh, et cetera, will be eclipsed by Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare will be a $1 trillion program probably next year. And this is causing the trust funds to be exhausted within 10 years. And once that happens, benefits will start to be reduced and Congress will look towards providers Uh, for cuts to start making sure that we have money in the trust funds to pay those benefits. Not a great situation. The bottom line here is that this is the context into which Congress is looking at what's happening on the Medicare side of things and ultimately what's happening with physicians. And so, like I said, typically we've gone to Congress to ask for fixes to reimbursement cuts. and. that's going to become increasingly difficult absent some sustained and effective advocacy. So uh, I wanted to get into what the current picture is for physician and other payments in Medicare. You can see here, there's a great chart from the AMA where physicians stand over time relative to other sites of care and relative to practice cost inflation. And the the point here is that inflation is far outstripping reimbursement uh, for physician services and other services uh, who in law have a statutory annual payment update are continuing to outperform on the reimbursement side vis-a-vis physician services. And so you can see what that looks like in 2023 across those different sites of care with you know a depressing look on the right-hand side with physicians at a negative 2% update, even though costs are increasing, as we know, And then everyone else whose costs are increasing, Uh, you see the inflation rate in blue, but their reimbursement is getting updated in the purple there, um, uh, kind of across the board. So physicians are the only uh, provider in Medicare that lacks an annual stable uh, inflation update, and that's negatively impacting uh, the ability of practices to continue to provide uh, quality services to Medicare beneficiaries. And so that's kind of the long-term goal of what we need to address in terms of what's happening with physician services. That's all for this episode of On Call. Our next episode will feature information on issues regarding MPFS, Medicare drug price negotiations, PBM reform, and elections. If you have any questions for our guests or have a topic you would like to learn more about, email us at oncallgpo at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.